everybody, and welcome back to another episode of True Crime on Easy Street. Season two is in complete and total full swing now. Yes. Uh, we are in the, uh, what, the middle of February. This is our fifth episode of season two. I don't know. I lost count. We're doing a really good job of, of say, numbering them now, now uh, so that we know I just forgot to look before the show started. My name is Scott Wright. I am a mediocre journalist. Kelly Turner, not a doctor. Katie Givens, not a lawyer. And we have a special guest with us tonight. Uh, Julie Graves is here. Uh, she's going to help us discuss tonight's uh, case that Kelly is in the big chair on, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? That's correct. And it takes place in the year 2008. So I'm just going to go ahead and get started. Nope. No, you're not. I'm not? Okay, We're going to allow Julie a oh, time to say hello to everybody. Oh, certainly, oh. Julie. Okay. So <laughs> I'm Julie Graves. I guess I could say I'm a teacher and a mom. Hey, All right. she's more qualified than any of us in the room. By a long shot. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're glad to have Julie here with us today. And we're, we're going to talk about a case that took place here in Alabama again in 2008. And so I'm going to set the table quickly and then I will lean back and let you guys talk about uh, what the, the subject matter today. So 2008, like I said, one of the things that happened in January uh, of 2008 on the 21st, that was when the subprime mortgage uh, crisis began in earnest. I mean, it really started in 2007, but by January the 21st, the stock markets around the world started to plunge in response to the subprime mortgage crisis. And so that started to kind of get on a roll. It would be later in the year before the stock market really went um, tits up in earnest, but that's when it all got started. On September the 15th, uh, the Lehman Brothers officially uh, went kablooey, and that's really when the whole thing got started. So, uh, And 2008 was a really strange year. There wasn't a lot that happened in the first part of the year, at least that I felt like would be something that we wanted to mention on this show. Uh, I'm going to skip ahead until September the 20, uh, to September the 23rd. The Android operating system uh, was released for the very first time in 2008 in September. And just five days after that, on September the 28th, the very first SpaceX uh, Falcon 1 rocket became the first privately launched rocket to ever achieve Earth orbit. And that would be Elon Musk and those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, Katie has one of the cars he built, and they also build rocket ships. It's so, very cool. They, very cool. They are a very cool Her car looks like a rocket ship. It does kind of look space, yeah. spacey. Yeah, looks something. like an egg. There's something. A space egg. Spacey there. (laughs) On October the 3rd, uh, that was when uh, President George W. Bush signed the the emergency uh, act that allowed the government to create a $700 billion fund to try and keep the economy from completely crashing. A lot of economic-related stuff going on in uh, 2008, but we're past it now. I'm not bringing it up again. Uh, On October the 7th, Spotify, which is one of the platforms where you can listen to True Crime on Easy Street, uh, yes. Was wow. created in Sweden. Spotify. It originated it, in Sweden. In I did not know that. On October the 7th. I love Spotify. I listen. It's one of the many music. Uh, they're not a sponsor, by the way. That is true. But, they, but it, I listen to Spotify, some sort of musical outlet like that every single day. Spotify is the platform that I use at home when we when I listen to our show, like on Wednesday night when I mm-hmm. get home mm-hmm. uh, after our new episode's upload on Wednesdays, usually on Wednesday night, I will uh, get slightly inebriated and then listen to the entire show and laugh and make fun of myself for the better part of an hour. So yay, Spotify. Mm -hmm. Uh, On November the 1st of 2008, Satoshi Nakamoto, anybody know who that was? 
That sounds familiar. He is the guy who created Bitcoin. Mm. And they think ah. it's an anachronism yeah. or, or, or yeah, a they, euphemism. They don't think that's really this person's name. But he wrote a, uh, a paper called Bitcoin, a Peer-to-Peer Electronic Cash System. It was the first idea ever introducing uh, virtual currency. Uh, and, and we all know how Bitcoin, I think, as of this morning, was worth about $40,000 per coin. I don't yeah. understand how any of that works, but don't try to explain it to me because well, it won't work. All I know is we should have got in in 2008. Big time. <laughs> that would have been a great idea. Uh, on November the 2nd, uh, the very next day in 2008, Lewis Hamilton, the British Formula One driver, at the age of 23, became the first uh, black person, bl- first black race car driver to ever win the Formula One World Championship. And he's gone on to win seven since then, in the uh, in the fourteen years, twenty three is pretty young. Is he is he one of the younger winners, or is he it was typically the, a young person? He was the second youngest ever champion of the Formula One. Series. Pretty cool. Uh, Barack Obama was uh, elected president on November the fourth of two thousand and eight, and then on December the fifth, uh, over in Russia, they found human remains buried in a forest, and DNA evidence confirmed that it was uh, Tsar Nicholas the second of Russia and his family who had been hauled off into the woods and assassinated by revolutionaries in uh in Russia in Are they the ones uh, are they the ones they they were going to take a photo of and they ended up shooting them instead of doing the family photo something like that they got them all into a room together and mm-hmm. the next thing they knew executed everyone was them. executed yep. and hauled off into the woods and buried and that was confirmed that it was their bodies that were found in the woods and somewhere outside of Moscow I'm guessing on December the 5th 2008 uh the okay. highest grossing film of 2008 quickly was The Dark Knight Anybody remember who won the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for his performance as the Joker in that film? Mr. Heath Ledger. He did, the late, great Heath Ledger. Um, Slumdog Millionaire won the, uh, won the Oscar at the big awards ceremony that year. Some of the other top grossing films of 2008, Mamma Mia. Oh, here I go again. I don't know what you're doing. I've never <laughs> seen it. <clears throat> Quantum of Solace, uh, a James Bond film starring Daniel Craig, was also a big film that year. The first Iron Man film with Robert Downey Jr. was huge in 2008. Mm-hmm. And lastly, uh, this one just kind of got out of the box hot and nobody could stop it. It turned out to be a piece of crap. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull was a huge movie. Top 10 at the box office I in enjoyed it. It was a shit sandwich and you know it. How dare you? It How dare terrible. you? It was terrible. I mean, I, I like Shia the first LaBeouf one better. Shia was in it, first of all. What, why do you hate Shia LaBeouf? I don't hate LaBeouf. Shia LaBeouf. What, what's his last Whatever his LaBeouf? last name is. I just wasn't a big fan of the way no. they did that whole thing. So It was fun to watch my, on the big screen. My you personal have, you have opinion. You too many emotions about this random It's movie. really um, bothering you. It seems like it's still bothering you. I'm over it now. Okay. I'm not a doctor, but you might want to talk to one about it. <laughs> <laughs> seems to be bothering you. <laughs> all right. I'm finished. I'm leaning back. I'm turning off my mic. Thrill me. You're not turning off your mic. No, Let's be honest. Okay. You don't know how to turn off your mic. <laughs> that is true. I guess I could unplug it. No, don't do that. Okay. Just don't mess with it. Fine. Okay. All right. So this week, once again, ladies and gentlemen, we are going back to Auburn University in Auburn, Alabama. Uh, again, I promise you it's a, a safe and beautiful place to to go to school. You keep saying that. I do keep saying that, but we're we're going to talk about that in detail at the, the towards the end of this. We're going to talk about some changes that have been made, but the first thing that we're going to talk about unfortunately is a tragedy that happened. We're going to start by introducing you to our victim, Lauren Ashley Burke. She was born on August the 11th, 1989 in Marietta, Georgia to James and Vivian. She graduated from Walton High School and she went on to Auburn University. 
She was an active member of the Delta Gamma sorority and she played lacrosse. She studied graphic design and art and she wanted to be a photographer or maybe go into some sort of marketing. So those were her ambitions as a young woman in college. Sadly, she will not be able to do any of those things because on March the 4th, 2008, sometime in the evening, 18-year-old Lauren Burke leaves her boyfriend's dorm and she heads to the library there on campus. The library on campus at Auburn is the Ralph B. Dragon. Do you say Dragon, Julie? I think I say like drawn or something like drawn? that. Drawn? Drawn. I don't even know. I just drawn. don't I think we I pronounce We used to like G. purposefully say like Dragon <laughs> Library. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I know that's wrong. But it's, it's, it's I think it's drawn. actually the, the Ralph B. Drawn Library. But anyways, okay. yeah. So, um, so she goes there like many, many students have before she goes there to a study session. And around 8 p.m., she leaves her study session and is walking back to her 2001 Honda Civic. She is then confronted by a man who points a gun at her orders her into her own car. She backs into her own vehicle, crawls into her front passenger seat. The man gets into the driver's seat. She gives him $200 and pleads for him to just leave, but he did not leave. He abducted Burke. He's driving her vehicle with one hand and he has a gun in the other pointing it at her. As they left the campus, he ordered Burke to take off all of her clothes. She was initially hesitant, but complied with his demand and undressed eventually. He drove Burke around for approximately 30 minutes. He's just driving through Auburn. He's passing bars, stores, downtown places. He just, he just they're, they're just riding around. She has nothing on but socks. In this car, he's got a gun on her. He's driving and he's just rambling on he's rambling on about his misfortunes and unemployment and Burke then tells him I can help you get a job I know someone who could help you get a job and and he looks at her and he says I got a job I don't need a job after he's just he's just rambling on about different things and then this is what he says I don't I've got a job I don't need a job um as the man drove Burke along Highway Alabama Highway 147, her boyfriend calls her to check on her. Now, the man who has abducted her is going to allow her to take this phone call, but she has to act like everything's okay and quickly in the call, and that's what she does. Um, looking back, the boyfriend says, at the time, I didn't really think much about the phone call. But he said, you know, hindsight, he's kind of blaming himself, thinking he should have realized that something was, was going something on. Something sounded wrong once he had a chance to know had, what happened and yeah. listened yeah, thought about it again. Exactly. Um, as the man became frustrated, Burke attempted to escape by opening the passenger door and jumping out of the moving vehicle. As she escapes, the man shoots her burke they're going to later determine that she was shot at close range with the muzzle of the gun inches away from her back so he just guns her down right there as she jumps out of the vehicle trying to 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 get out yeah Mm -hmm. just i mean just shoots her like a dog in the street uh the 38 caliber bullet enters the back 
of her left shoulder and pierces both of her lungs. It exits through the upper right arm. In addition to being shot, she's also injured from hitting the road. I mean, she has no, no barrier between her skin and the road. She has nothing on. She hits the road. She's got all those injuries. And then he gets out, walks up, and shoots her. Witnesses reported hearing two shots and seeing Burke jump out of the vehicle. They are noticing that there is a there's a young woman who has nothing on but a pair of socks. She's bleeding. She's crying. She's covered in road rash and ab- abrasions. She's stumbling to her feet. She's trying to wave down some help. When they get to her, they notice a man idling in her car. What they later learn is her car. And uh, they notice that he drives away. Burke is now lying on her back in the middle of the road. She's taking very deep, slow breaths, and she's gasping. And remember, they're going to learn that this bullet has pierced both of her lungs. Mm. So she can't breathe. I mean, it, it's no. they're filling up with blood, I guess, at this and, point. And, and not with air. No. And she's so she's struggling. They call 911 around 9 o'clock. The first responders get there. They're trying to save her. They take her to East Alabama Medical Center. She got to the hospital about 9.35 p.m. and was later pronounced dead. Um, The doctors did say that it was because of the the gunshot wound, obviously. Yeah. So who is this man that I've been talking about, this abductor? And how do I know all the things that happened? Because Lauren is, is dead. Lauren can't say all of these things. So... Enter the man who did all of this. His name is Courtney Lockhart. He was born October the 20th, 1984. In 2003, he joined the U.S. military. And in 2004, he was deployed to South Korea and Iraq. He was in prison for smoking marijuana and assaulting and threatening other soldiers in 2006. Look, not that I know anything about smoking marijuana, but if you're smoking pot and you're assaulting people, you're pretty violent. Yeah, because Wouldn't typically, you say? I mean, that pretty much would not lead mellows you, to you out. Right. So if not you're very many uh, so domestic told. violence calls to the weed smokers. No, I, I would say not. Right. I mean, there's no one in here who's a cop, but I'd be willing to bet if we had Will Bailey in here, he would tell us. Oh yeah, that zero uh, domestic <laughs> violence calls <laughs> to weed but, smokers. I mean, if you're still assaulting people and you're smoking marijuana, you're a violent person. Um, so anyways, he's assaulting other soldiers and he went, he is on leave. Like he doesn't go on leave. He just leaves. So that's, he's MIA. That's AWOL. Yeah. He's absent without leave. Yes, he does. He's AWOL. And, um, then when they finally get him back, he assaults an officer. He spent seven months in confinement and was dishonorably discharged in December of 2006. This is just the beginning of Courtney Lockhart's crimes. Burke's murder, Lauren Burke, our Auburn University student, was part of Lockhart's violent crime spree that began in February of 2008 he committed a string of armed robberies and carjackings in both alabama and georgia with the exception of one convenience store robbery his crimes involved the same method he would choose a female victim 
approach her from behind as she entered her own vehicle in a parking lot. He would then threaten her with a pistol, demand her purse, and he would either, he would also do this or he, it's either or, attempt to drive away in her vehicle or if he gets spooked, he might not try to do that. So that, but the, the victims were pretty much the same. The methods, everything, this is, this is his system. He robbed a convenience store and shot at the store clerk. On March 5th, he robbed a woman in the parking lot of a LaGrange, Georgia nursing home. On March the 6th, he robbed a 27-year-old woman in a Sam's Club parking lot in Columbus, Georgia. And the way that he compelled the woman to give him her purse, he pointed a gun at her three-year-old son's head. Oh, yeah. On March the 7th, he attacked a 72-year-old woman in a Walmart parking lot in Noonan, Georgia. He hit her on the back of the head, held a gun to her head, and shoved her into the floorboard of the car. He began to back out of the parking space, but realized that witnesses, have, they saw him and they were following him, so he returned to his own vehicle and ran away. So back to Lauren. After leaving Lauren on the road, Lockhart stopped at a Chevron gas station on North College Street. At 9.17 p.m., he used her stolen credit card to purchase gas for $14.65. He used the gas to douse the inside of her car and then drove to the Hinton Field parking lot. He attempted to set this car on fire to destroy the evidence, but was unsuccessful. He then left, got a Burger King bag, and used it to start a fire. He took $46, her iPod and credit card, and his gun. He left Lauren's clothing and the rest of her cash, as well as her digital camera, in the car. He set the car on fire and left campus in his own vehicle. He later returned to check on Burke's car. When he was satisfied that it was, you know, on fire and Good to go. He fled north on Interstate 85 to Atlanta, where he used Burke's credit card to buy more gas. He used the card again at a Kroger in LaGrange, Georgia, before throwing it out the window. Then Lockhart returns back to Alabama. So that's what he's doing during this whole time. When when he drives away, when the witnesses see him drive away, when they see Lauren laying in the street, gasping for breath, and he goes on, those were the things that he did and lauren's crime was at the end of this well it it was kind of in the middle of this crime spree because Mm -hmm. he's he's holding people up at at nursing homes and at the walmart and everywhere after this because those crimes are going to happen on march 5th was the nursing home on the 6th was sam's club and on the 7th was walmart so lauren was on the 4th so he's just on a spree he starts in february and he's just continuing on and it's every single day he's doing something violent every single day am i spoiling the ending if i ask how long he was on the lamb no not at all because we're about we're about to get to that okay um, at around 9:30 on march the 4th the police respond to a call that a car was on fire on auburn's campus the fire was extinguished and investigators recovered a 38 caliber bullet under the driver's seat. Police ran the car's registration, finding that it was owned by Lauren Burke's father, James. After receiving a call from the police, who no parent wants this call. 
to get a call at 9.30 p.m. on a random night to say there is a car that belongs to you that, that is your daughter's that is on fire and we're, we need you to help us. So he's try, he starts calling his daughter's friends to try to locate her and then he eventually later that night has to drive to Auburn and identify her body. On March the 7th, okay, three days later after Sam's Club, Walmart, nursing home, Lockhart was pulled over by Phoenix City Police. This police officer's name is Dale Richards. After he speeds through a construction zone on Alabama Highway 80. So just to be clear for people who are not from Alabama, we don't mean Phoenix, Arizona. There is a town, a small town in uh, southeast Alabama. Very close to Auburn. Called Phoenix City. P-H-E-N-I-X, if I'm spelling it correctly. That's Thank correct. You for, correct. Yeah, I think so. you for, did you forget an O? No, no I did there's not. There's no O in, that's the in gag. Phoenix. Okay. That's the Sorry. gag. That's the, that's so, the Alabama. Anyway, so if, you don't know, if you've never heard of that, there is a, there's a little small town in yeah, Phoenix City. called Phoenix City. So, okay. Anyway. Cool. Thank you. And thank you for that clarification because I was just going right on through that. Um, all right. So, yeah, in Phoenix City, which is very near... Auburn. Um, After calling in Lockhart's information, Officer Richards learned that investigators were wanting to speak to him. So he asked Lockhart to exit the vehicle, but Lockhart resisted. He struggles with Richards for a little bit and finally drives away, starting a police chase. Now, this chase is going to involve four police officers. It's going to reach speeds up to 80 miles an hour. These are very rural. rural. You can't say that word without saying it. It's sounding drunk. Yeah. Rural. These are very rural areas. You did not. No, I I sounded sounded completely inebriated when you said it. And I slow that one down, somebody, and see how drunk I really sound on that. That is my least favorite word. Rural. Rural. Nailed it. First try. Perfect. So these areas, they're not on the interstate hitting these speeds and and driving. And they're saying that he's, you know, going 80 miles an hour. He's being very reckless. He goes off the road several times. Uh, During this chase, Lockhart throws his pistol out the window. And about a half a mile away from Glenwood School, he stops abruptly and opens his door. And Officer Richards, who is on a motorcycle, hits that door and kind of goes flying. Yeah. Uh, He flies over the handlebars and onto the road. Lockhart runs into the woods and then officers are able to catch up with him. After several commands to get on the ground, he complied. After handcuffing Lockhart, they took Burke's iPod, which Lauren Burke, they took her iPod and her cell phone off of him. Later, when they searched his car, they found 38 shell casings and a t-shirt with spots of blood. So they're able to link this crime to him extremely quickly. Right. All right, Katie, I'm going to turn it over to you now that we have him in custody. Well, pretty quickly, he confesses to murdering Burke and to several of those other crimes that Kelly mentions. So he gets counsel immediately, of course, and then he is indicted for murder during the commission of a robbery, murder during the commission of a kidnapping, and murder during the commission of an attempted rape. And his trial begins November 8th, 2010, and he pleads 
not guilty by reason of insanity. So the prosecution argues that Lockhart kidnapped and attempted to rape Burke and then intentionally shot her. They also tried to present evidence about his dishonorable discharge from the military and the evidence of the other crimes that he committed around the same time, but the judge wouldn't allow that in because that that doesn't have anything to do with what he's being charged with at the time. The defense argues that their client suffered from mental illness due to his military service and that the shooting of Burke was accidental. Through the course of two days after the trial's over, the jury deliberates six and a half hours and it's split up between a couple of days. And they find him guilty of robbery, kidnapping, and capital murder. They did not find that he attempted to rape Burke, so was he, he wasn't found guilty on that charge. And they also did not find that the murder was especially heinous and cruel. And and the reason for the not finding that or not saying that he wasn't intending to rape her, he he claims that he had her undress so that she wouldn't try to escape. Yeah. That makes sense. So, so we we think he's full of shit about everything else that he has said, except we believe him that he wasn't going to try to rape this young. Apparently, girl. that that I mean that held up because they didn't they didn't find the evidence of that. I guess. I guess, I guess it's it just asking somebody to get naked doesn't mean you're going to rape them. Well, well <laughs> maybe he just wanted to look at her. Uh, I mean, that's I mean, true. It could have been a, a totally like voyeuristic thing. I mean. That's absolutely true. At the end of the day, they could not provide the evidence that he uh, that it was an attempted rape. That that was right. that was. Now, say that last part about the say that last part again. They found that the murder was not especially heinous and cruel. Shooting someone in the back at close range is not okay. I mean, I'm not. I'm not a doctor. I'm certainly not a lawyer, so or a judge. So I don't know. I well, disagree with that. I mean, I do too. Yeah. For what it's worth. Nobody cares, but I care. Sounds nuts to me. Yeah. But their reasoning for saying that, or them saying that backs their reasoning for the following that the jury, um, their sentencing recommendation was life in prison. And as we've learned in previous cases, it's not the jury's job to sentence the criminal that is, you know, that lies with the judge. So the jury presents their. Recommendation. On March 2nd, 2011, Judge Jacob Walker goes over the jury and he sentences Lockhart to death by lethal injection. Now, we've had this happen before. Do you remember which case it was? I think it was the very first case we ever did. It was. It was the Judith Ann Neely case from uh, April of 2021, if I got my month right. Exactly. The jury said I mean, that's not when the case took place. That's when we talked about it on the show. It was Mm -hmm. our very first ever true crime on Easy Street podcast. Yes. The jury said live. The judge said no. Death. Right. Well, and Judge Jacob, he cites Lockhart's previous criminal history. He also states that the jury had not been aware of the crime spree that he committed because the judge would not let that into evidence by the prosecution. They also weren't aware of his negative conduct while in the military, but Judge Walker was. Why can why can Judge Walker use that to sentence him when the jury couldn't use it to convict him? And Great question. Good okay. question, because I, mean, I had the same one. What the fuck? I mean, if he did it, he did it. If he's a piece of shit, let's get him out of society. Well, I mean, why don't you uh, why don't you give the jury that information? Mm-hmm. Why why is this that? This guy's Katie? a bad seed. Let's I'd, get him off the streets. I don't is it, is that always that. just up to the judge? 
well, what's what's let in and not is up to the judge. But also, if he lets something in that can later be used against him in appeal, I think it's kind of what right. So they you keep it. At. You keep it. As, he. I guess the judge felt like he had a pretty. If the prosecution did a good job, there was going to be a prosecution in this case of this of this Courtney Lockhart. Why muddle the waters, mm-hmm. muddy the waters with all of these other things that would give him a hundred different reasons to appeal the case mm-hmm. down the road? Let's get him convicted for the thing that we know that he did, that we've got him dead to rights for, and then I can I can put him under the jail when I sentence him. And then him. he's going to use that to sentence him. Yeah. But I guess all this is legal. But all I right. guess he doesn't have to give an ex- explanation on his sentencing, but he does. Well, no, he's the judge. He keeps, so. <laughs> yeah, he keeps talking. He says that he concludes that if the jury had known these facts, they probably would have sentenced him differently too. Well, I can't I mean, we'll never that. know. Yeah. But then Judge Jacob also says that um, he argues that Lockhart's kidnapping of Burke weighed in favor of the death sentence because she was alone, unarmed, chosen at random, taken from her college campus, a place where students feel most safe. Yes. Parents are letting, you know, their children, I mean, they're young adults at this point, but they're letting them, their children out of their homes off to these places where they feel like they, they should be safe. She should- and she's 18. Mm-hmm. She's she is in her first year of Auburn, and this is her second semester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she's what? Marietta is, what, a couple, three hours away from Auburn, I guess. I mean, Marietta is mm-hmm. the other side of Atlanta, so... You know, you, you're trusting your 18 year old daughter to to be in this place that you think is safe, like you guys have said. And mm-hmm. you know, but, yeah, I mean, she was know, going from her dorm to the library, right? Or library to dorm. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's I mean, not like she was two o'clock in the morning at Sky Bar. Yeah, and even right. if she was, I would still, still be like, campus. "Hey, oh yeah, forget that." But what you're saying is, this is a typical night she's studying. It's not even that late. She's it, no, she's it's before nine o'clock at night. She's trying to. Finish studying at the library and go to her car. Right. And you warn your kids, you know, don't, hey, don't go to the bars by yourself. Don't walk the alleys by yourself. Don't, but I can't tell you how many times I went to the library alone. I went to this library alone many a night and stayed later than this and walked out to my car and drove. I lived off campus. Yeah. So um, I had to drive, so I had to, you know, mm-hmm. walk out into the dark parking lot or into the dark parking deck. And probably Lauren as well. I mean, she lived off campus. Or, well, she was a freshman, so maybe she lived on campus. Did, mm-hmm. we, well, did Auburn, you go over that? Auburn doesn't require all, doesn't require you to live on campus. So okay. But do they, do they nail Julie? Not, a, not ever. Okay. But like where I went to school, the parking lot at the library was zoned only for commuters. So it, I lived on campus, but I could not park in the library parking lot. Right. So I had, from my dorm, I had to, you know, walk. Mm-hmm. And if, if it was middle of the night, I mean, I had, I had mm-hmm. to walk because, or I get, or, or face getting a parking ticket, one yeah. or the other. Julie, how many, how many times have you walked from this library? Oh yeah. Like, I mean, I lived, I lived on campus for two, the first two years and I, I never, I, I did park a bicycle the day I got to college, and then I took it back home the day I left. I never, never, <laughs> never used it once. I, I, no, I rode it once. Uh, one time. Okay. Once, and I was terrified the whole entire time. I had no clue what was going on on that bicycle. It was not like riding it around Billy Goat Hill. So, <laughs> but no, I walked everywhere. I mean, mm-hmm. you you walked on Auburn's campus. There's not, mm-hmm. there, especially then, there wasn't enough parking when we were mm-hmm. in school. I mean, now they've built parking decks and stuff. Uh, but, Julie and her husband, Jake, live in a neighborhood here in Cherokee County that is colloquially called Billy Goat Hill. 
Mm-hmm. which is why we got that strange reference a moment ago if you've never heard the show before. But we all knew what she meant, but maybe somebody out there did not. But right. that's over close to the lake here, Weiss Lake, where we live. And it's just a little community and everybody knows everybody and it's a very mm-hmm. safe community, but a, a, a much easier place to ride a bicycle, I guess, than your first much. ever day at Auburn University. <laughs> much easier. Right. I couldn't imagine riding a bike around campus. I would have never. You're you're braver than me just to try it one time. One time. Now, mm-hmm. At JSU, everyone hated the people who rode bikes because they were menaces. Because <laughs> you're, su- <laughs> you're supposed to ride a bike on the road. Not on the sidewalk. Not on the sidewalk, which right. is where they rode them. And then, yeah. uh, you know, they're just they're yelling taking at people you. out left and right and saying, on your right or on your left. Yeah, or I remember whatever. those days. Yeah. <laughs> people screaming behind you. And, you know, you've got a book bag and there's three of you walking in a row and you try to create a an area wide enough for somebody on a bike to get through. And if he doesn't pick the spot that you guys have are thinking you're going to create for him, everybody ends up in the ditch. Yeah. <laughs> I think the time, I think I, I lived on the hill. And I was thinking I was going to ride the bike like I did at home. I, I wasn't on a sidewalk or the road. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, I was in the grass. I was in the Legs the up, screaming. <laughs> I didn't know you were supposed to actually stay on the sidewalk or the road. We had a guy ride through the building one day. We were waiting on class to start. And, you know, sometimes the doors are locked or whatever. And we're waiting and this guy comes down the hall on a bicycle. And and I secretly wanted to just like trip him up. That's so yeah. terrible. Stick a broom handle in the spoke. I'm not a bad person, okay? Uh, I'm don't not sell mean. yourself short, Kelly. But this guy who was riding a bicycle through yeah. the hallway, I mean, I really wanted to wreck him, but I did not. <laughs> I did not. I stepped aside. Yeah, who does that? This one guy. Anyways, so the judge comes over the top and he says, death penalty, and I'm using all of these previous crimes as my reasoning yes. for it, this is a violent person. So he is sentenced on March 2nd, 2011. So of course, by April of, no, I'm sorry, by August of 2013, Lockhart has already filed some appeals. They've reached the appeals court and the appeals court in the state of Alabama upholds his conviction and death sentence. And they're like, yeah, they, the court states that his sentence wasn't imposed under the influence of passion, prejudice, or any other arbitrary factors. Uh, they think it's neither disproportionate nor excessive to the penalty imposed in similar cases. And I, those are standard appeals yes. questions, right? right any because that's, appeal those attorney the would ground, do that. Those are the grounds. Right. Yeah. We go a little bit further and we have April 2014 in the Alabama Court of Criminal Appeals. So he goes, he goes above, one step above. They deny his petition for a rehearing. Then we go to September of the same year, and the Supreme Court of the state of Alabama denies his appeal petition. So he's just stepping his ladder, stepping his ladders. By April of 2015, he appeals to the United States Supreme Court, and they deny his appeals petition. And then we're in September of 2015, and he files a Rule 32 petition challenging his conviction and death sentence. And a Rule 32 petition is a method by which your client, having exhausted or waived his appeals, so he, like I said, he's appealed to, he's he's went up the ladder. All his appeals, they can petition to have their conviction set aside. This is not an appeal in itself; it later becomes an appeal. So if you win like this Rule Thirty Two petition, then it turns into an appeal. Who looks or who reviews the Rule Thirty Two? It it goes back to the same court in which the original case was held. Okay. So, the petition hearing 
was between December 2018 and February 2019. And his defense attorneys are through the, we've talked about them before, the EJI, the Equal Justice Initiative. And they're arguing that his original attorneys mishandled the case and failed to present evidence about his trauma and how it influenced the shooting. Well, okay. that's, that's a pretty standard refrain in one of these kinds of appeals, yeah. though, right? You just yes. you try to go back and turn over every rock, mm-hmm. try to find anything that anybody did wrong anywhere along the way. Hopefully, somebody will go, oh, yeah, that is that was wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you have another shot to maybe get a new case, right? Katie, would that be what he's hoping for at this point is a new trial? They're, tr- they're trying to get his previous trial thrown out. So, yes, then you'd okay. have to appeal. Um, Are they ultimately wanting, they're wanting this insanity plea. Is that right? Uh, yes, that's that's how it looks. And they also want uh, the gun used in the crime to be retested. They state that his previous attorneys failed to adequately discover and present evidence that it may have accidentally discharged. Um, so that would take the murder off the table or change it, change the... Manslaughter, maybe. To, okay, more accidental. Mm-hmm. And then he would have kidnapping. Mm-hmm. He would have a chance to, at some point in his life, get out, be paroled, not be not die on death row in mm-hmm. in a jail cell or uh, or strapped to a gurney. Gotcha. And so, prosecutors argue that there's nothing that should cause doubt in regards to tests conducted by state experts. So, like they're like, we're not worried about. We did it right test. the first time. Is yeah. what they're saying. Okay. So on April 3rd, 2020, uh, Judge Walker denied Lockhart's request for a release from his conviction and death sentence. So he's currently on death row. Yes. So Judge Walker, like I said, that's the same judge that ha- was with him the whole time. So the, it, like I said, it goes back to the same court that okay. holds the original case. So he's in, what is it, Holman? He is currently on death row at Holman Correctional Holman, Facility, which is yeah. near Atmore. We talk about it all the time. That's where the death row in the state of Alabama is for. Unless we're talking about females, and then and where then are they? At, they're at Tutwiler. Tutwiler. I was going to say, Scott, you know, Tutwiler. Well, when, when, it's the only women's when prison. Katie, when Katie said Atmore, it threw me off because yeah. I, uh, it, it confused me. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the final thing I'll say, and this is kind of lead into, we'll let Julie talk. She hasn't really... I know we promise lot. we have a special guest and, and we are going to let her speak. I promise. Lauren Burke's parents filed a claim against Auburn University, arguing that the decision to merge the university's police and the Auburn City Police Department was what led to inadequate security on campus that ultimately led to this being able to happen, like we said, in what should have been a very safe place. For those that don't know, Auburn University doesn't have its own police force. They merged with the city police force and they have like deputies that they assign to campus areas and everything. But most universities have their own police force. Mm -hmm. College I went to Jacksonville State University. We had Jackson, we had JSU PD. And so that was their argument. And in November of 2014, Alabama's board of adjustment denied this claim and, and, and I I don't think, I don't think there's anybody who's going to find fault with the parents of this. I mean, They've been through a horrific tragedy, and they're wondering why. How, how is it possible for well, you to, and, and like you, we just talked about, before 9 o'clock at night, walk out to your car, and this happened to you? And maybe they were right. Maybe there was a, a mistake that was made. Maybe that should not have been something. You, you got to start looking. Was it done just to save money? Was it done because it was the better way to police the campus? Or was there some other stupid reason why these two forces were merged so you can't fault them for trying to get to the bottom of it because this 
impacts every student who goes to the university or to Auburn University from then on. If it's if that was a mistake, let's find out now after one death. Let's not wait until we've got three or four or five deaths to get to the bottom of this. Right. And so Julie has a little bit of information on some updates that have happened on campus since this crime occurred. Yes. So um, when Claudia was a senior in oh, high school. Let me tell everybody. Claudia Graves is Julie's daughter, who is at Auburn University now. Go ahead. And she's what? She's, she's a sophomore? A junior. junior. Okay. But she was a senior in high school, and which would have been, um, Claudia graduated in 2019. Anyway, um, something popped up like on Facebook or something that it was like the anniversary of this, Mm -hmm. of Lauren's death. And I was, you know, I saw Auburn University. And so, of course, I'm like, oh, let me read this. And um, like, I just, I never really, I thought about all the things that, okay, you're going to Auburn. I mean, you look into all the stuff, like where are you going to live? And you know, what are you going to major in? And let's go tour the campus. But something you don't really, I guess it doesn't really just cross your mind is, well, what all do they do for safety? And, you know, what all's there? So when I saw that article, and I'm, I mean, I read it to Claudia, and of course, she was just like scared to death. And um, so, I, I mean, when I went to the Camp War Eagle, and that's like the orientation for, for new students. Right. And right. they have like workshops, kind of little sessions for parents. So, you know, Jake exited like 99.9% of those. And why did I, Jake not want to join in at Camp War Eagle? I don't know because he was a Camp War Eagle counselor. And Jake is your day. husband who is <laughs> Jake is your husband who is Claudia's dad. Right. Yes. Right. So he wasn't really into the sessions or whatever, but I, you know, made sure I hit every one. And so one of the sessions was about uh, campus security. And one of the things that was the year that when Claudia went, they were like most, I guess, proud of was there, they've installed over a hundred. It's, it's, they call them call boxes, but it looks like a light post with like a blue light on top. Mm -hmm. And um, they immediately, if you, you know, go, Whatever you do, I don't know if you hit a button or what you do on them. They you just pick up the receiver yeah, and everything pick, goes nuts. Yeah, everything goes nuts. Yeah. The lights, the and um, then so it's it's lighting up, it's making a noise, and it's calling nine one one. Okay, yeah, right. all right, great, immediately. Right. Yes, and there's like a hundred of those across campus, and I mean, I remember. I mean, you just look next time you go, you'll see them. They're like everywhere. Okay, and um, and that was big. I mean, I of course. I don't know if one was 10 feet away from Lauren, would she have ran and, and done that? Would that have been would, enough? Or would she have just gotten in the car? So probably. Probably when someone has a gun on you, you're not going to run. Right. Yeah. So that I mean, may not have been the thing that would have saved her. You know, of mm-hmm. course, if someone else maybe saw it, then they could have yeah. ran. Good but, point. Good um, point. But anyway, so there's, there's that. And then um, they have a night security shuttle that runs from 6 p.m. to 7 a.m. So if you're anywhere on campus, you call that night security shuttle and they would, for example, they would have picked Lauren up at the library and would have driven her back to her dorm, you know, and watched her safely get in the dorm. And say, that Um, is very good. I really like that. Well, it it sounds to me like somebody somewhere in an office at Auburn University said, okay, we got lucky we didn't get a huge uh, settlement slapped against us in this case when we got sued by Lauren Burke's parents. So let's spend a shitload well, of money and make sure that we don't have this yeah. happen again. Well, there's that. 
And there's also, I would think if I was like the, you know, Auburn police, I would take that so personal that someone got murdered, a yeah. child got murdered on campus, and there's things that we could do to fix it. I mean, exactly. That would, yeah. I would like, I mean, of course they didn't want to pay, pay a million dollars, but at the same time, I think they probably were wanting to fix it. They probably Just paid a lot more than that. Just to, to think yeah. that, um, you know, mm. it could have somehow, some way, like, what could we do to prevent it? And then another thing they have, which they, I don't know if this would have been, this wouldn't have been, I don't know, 2004. We have apps on our phones in 2004. 2008. I mean, 2008. Uh, yeah, we did. Okay. So they have this, it's called the um, Auburn Safety App. And so if I were Lauren, I could have, like, if you were one of my contacts on the safety app mm -hmm. and I was going to walk from the library to my dorm, I could let you know and then you could track me. Mm -hmm. Like, you're just going to, I'm just like, I'm kind of scared. Mm -hmm. or I'm walking back by myself. Not even scared. I'm mm -hmm. just walking back by myself. It's just so, good practice. Like, would you track me, make sure I get back? Mm -hmm. And so they could literally sit yeah. there and watch you. Probably not that advanced then. I, mean, iPhones, I wouldn't think so. I, iPhones came out in 07. Yeah, we so wouldn't have nobody that. had thought, mm -hmm. nobody had gotten that far down the road yet as far as apps go. But, but now we have now. that luxury of technology, which yeah. is which is wonderful. And, and another thing we've brought up before on the show, and I don't remember what episode it was, but we talked about having a safe phrase that you and your family have or you and your friends have. So for instance, um, it would say something like, you know, feed feed the dog Bruno or something, and Bruno's not your dog's name, or you don't have a dog or something. So that we, during the story, Lauren's boyfriend called her. And that phrase could have alerted him to something being off. Yeah, if they'd had a safe word. It's some kind of safe phrase that would alert him to know, okay. She can't say help, but she it, it's a way of calling calling for help when you can't call for help. So it would have been something that could have alerted him. And I'm not saying he could have, even if, if they had had that, he could have he stopped it or, or, but then you would know to start tracking. You can go, you know, find my iPhone or Life360, if, if my daughter... She and her friends are, all have each other on Life 360, so yeah. they know where they are at any right. given time. And uh, I actually, that's one of the the few social media things that I love that the kids do now, so that they they can help each other out. They know where their friends are. Well, I mean, yeah, like that's the the university can do a lot of things like that. I mean, they can patrol more. They can, you know, just come up with all kinds of ways to make sure the kids are safe. But really what a parent needs to do is like talk to their, their kid that's going to school, to college. They're leaving and they're going by themselves. Number one, I mean, they need to be aware of their surroundings 100%. Like they need to look around and know. Before you exit that library, you, looking you around. Look, you look. be aware of everything that's around you. And um, I know Claudia would call, she would FaceTime Jake and I still. If she is, was going from her dorm to the parking lot, sometimes in the middle of the day, not even at night, she would mm -hmm. just FaceTime us because she was walking by herself. And I, I mean, think that's great. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know if it's because of, you know, stories like this and mm -hmm. the Anaya Blanchard and all that, but mm -hmm. I mean, they, kids today are way more aware that there is evil around me and yes. I better make sure 
that someone's in contact with me and knows where I'm at all the mm-hmm. time. And Anaya Blanchard, we covered that episode back in season one, or we covered that case back in season one where she was at a convenience store and she was abducted. Another Auburn student. Mm-hmm. Abducted and murdered. And um, so I think that's a great practice. I think that it would be best if you never had to walk alone on campus, but to have that, to be able to just FaceTime. I'm thinking if I'm someone who wants to abduct someone, if I see them speaking with someone on their phone, that that's going to keep me from abducting them. Yeah. I'm not going to want to be found out or have any kind of clue yeah, that I've done something. Yeah, think about it. Think if Lauren, if she was FaceTiming, right? I mean, you know what I, like, I think I mean, you I probably you would have gotten then. spooked. I don't even know if we had FaceTime. I think you, I think you could, but I, the technology is just so much better now. I mean, it's just evolved over the years. Well, really the, the, but if she had been on the phone with somebody, speaking with somebody, or he might have gotten spooked and, but it, and, and the thing is, I hate, hate this individual. It was just a matter of time because he moved on quickly from this and he began doing it every single day after this. There was a new victim every single day. He was spiraling. I mean, just, it was going to continue. So for someone like like Lockhart, I don't, I mean, even if he, my point is, even if he had not chosen Lauren, it was just a matter of time. He was going to choose somebody else. He had been on campus according to his own words, off and on all day, looking for someone. Yeah. That was what he did. Um, I read where the parents, the dad, I think, said, um, Lauren's dad, that it wasn't about the money or the, you know, when they, it was about Auburn University making changes and Mm -hmm. trying to prevent something like this happening. So, I mean, if that's really what it was about, then... I mean, I, I feel like they have made Exactly, because changes. there's no amount of money that's going to help them, that's going to ease this, that's going to stop this horrific. Lauren is gone. They have to forever live with this, with this horrible thing that happened to their family, and they're just trying to get the wheels in motion to stop it from happening again. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I my hat is off to them, and, and I have no idea... I can't imagine what they're going through. But yeah, I don't think there's anybody that would, would say that it was about the money. About the, Agreed. Yeah. All right, Julie. All right. So what else? What else is going on at Auburn University as far as safety <laughs> that we need to know? Well. Um, is there anything? I, I mean, I, the night shuttle, the call boxes, the safety app. Um, FaceTiming your family and friends right. anywhere. I mean, uh, they do have police, you know, like, on campus, I guess, a lot more patrolling, walking. They're on bikes. They're walking. Mm-hmm. They're- I'm, a, I'm a fan of just having mace on your keychain. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Pull that sucker out and get it, get it ready. Mm-hmm. Spray I mean, Lockhart right in the face. Right in the face. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Might have made a difference. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, really. And you can't walk a- around with a... I mean, we're in the state of Alabama, and we're very much Second Amendment here, but you can't walk around on campus with a, with a firearm concealed. The students, well, so it's not yeah, like you yeah. can tell they're, your. They're working on that in Montgomery right now. Let's <laughs> see what happens at the end of this session. Well, it's not. It's not like change. you could. T- you could give your child a gun and say, "Here, walk around campus with this," because they're going to get in trouble for having that. You know, um, to protect so, themselves. Yeah, when so. you go to Bama Bound or Camp War Eagle or 
whatever it is, don't skip the safety session. Yes. Good that's advice. Go, yes. Ask, go ask questions. Mm-hmm. Like, Any, what are you doing to exactly. make my child safe? And look at look at the statistics. Look at these things at the school before you choose your school. If we start making our decisions based on those things, the schools will pay close attention to that and they will start changing those things because they want to sure. be they want to look good and want to look safe for you to come and and drop your what $100,000 for your kid to go to school (laughs) over the course of four years. And you're, and you're, and you're innocent and probably not as intelligent as they should be at the time. 18 year old children. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, tell your kids about, I mean, I, I, I share with my students this, this case every year because they're, they're college bound about to go. Mm -hmm. I mean, you teach high school, right, Julie? And you teach Um, what age? I teach right now. I have 10th and 11th graders. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Math students. Yep. Okay. And ACT prep. Okay. So, so folks who are kids. headed to college. Yeah, exactly. And they I need mean, to know this. Oh, I show them her beautiful face and I say, I mean, yeah. this is a mm-hmm. normal kid and it could be you. So you need to Good and advice. Let's talk and, about those things. Like, what do you need to do when you get there? Like, and let's make sure we talk about that. This young woman had her whole life ahead of her. She is a beautiful girl. Um, and, I'll I'll tell you this to to uh, honor to honor Lauren. Lauren's body was cremated and brought back to her home in Marietta, which is in Georgia. And uh, Auburn University has established a scholarship for freshmen majoring in graphic design in Lauren Burke's honor. So they are honoring her. I mean, she had her entire life ahead of her. 18 years old, just a young girl. Well, this case is is very sad. It would have cost them a lot less if they just had one more police officer cruising around the library parking lot that night. Possibly. Oh, I don't know. I hate to say that. I know. Because I just don't know the situation. I don't know yeah, yeah, the it's, route. It's and impossible for me to say that with I any know, certainty, but maybe. But we're, yeah. we're old parents here, and, yeah. and we just want to. And the way he, I mean, he had been hanging around. You know, someone should have, like, Maybe seen him and been a little suspicious, but yeah. and I think that's what her parents thought. Mm-hmm. Why had someone not, not seen the him job. earlier right. and thought? Why is he able to hang out on campus on and off all day? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, where's his where's his uh, off campus parking sticker on his car? Yeah, right? valid. Because all I this assume is that you would have had one mm-hmm. uh, back in the day at Auburn. I know that we did. If you if you were on campus and you didn't have a decal, you got a then, ticket. Then you weren't supposed to be there. Right. Exactly. Anyway. And they, um, they looked for that religiously, religiously. when you know I was what, there. Though? They don't have decals now at Auburn. They only go by your car tag. Okay. Well, so that's not. I so they sit, wrong. they like just run everybody's tag. They somehow. Yeah. Okay. They don't, they don't even have a hang tag or anything. They just. Wow. Know your car tag. Okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. Something mm-hmm. that was eerie about this case that, um, I don't know. So you know how he. That early that morning, he had spent the night in the the parking lot of the hospital where Lauren actually passed away that night. You know what I mean? Like, he wasn't going home. He was living out of his car, I read. Mm-hmm. I and so he that. actually had spent the night in the parking lot of the exact, mm. like, emergency room parking lot where she was taken. then, like, hours later, he passed away. So weird. That is weird. I know. 
Well, thank you, Julie, so much yes. for being with us today. Uh, our first guest. Wait, is she our first guest of 2022? And I've already yeah. forgotten somebody. Yes, That's right, is. isn't it? Yeah, okay. Yes. Thank you so much for being our here. Our first All guest right. of season two. Yeah. We're Lots so excited. I know. Glad to be here. I enjoyed it. We're glad to have you. And Julie actually gave us this case. She sent this information to me. I was like, oh my gosh, have y'all looked into this? So thank you for that. Yeah, um, we did. This is just to prove to people who have suggested things, we do get to them. I promise you. Our list is ever growing. It In is. fact, we added some more things today. I think we're up to like 62 or 63 items on that list Oh my gosh! we it, talked about it earlier today. Yeah, it's, just, uh, it's growing. I just feel honored y'all picked my case then. Oh, <laughs> man. I, out of that meaning. We're going to get to all of them. Eventually. We, we absolutely are, but thank you so much for being with us today. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Download our podcasts on Apple, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. And don't forget to go to truecrimeoneasystreet.com. Oh, and check oh. out our website. Check out our merch. Merch. We have shirts. Yep. If and you we're want a shirt. we're working on cups. And we're working on cups. Yes, shout out Kevin Green. Yes, yes. thank you. He's getting some cups together, and they're so cute. They are. Scott's indeed. already stolen one. I have, and I'm going to steal some more, and I'll get you guys one. <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, is that it? Are we done? We're going to do something else? I'm done. Katie? That's it. All right. Good night, everybody. <laughs>